Hello, Westside Family Church. When I woke up this morning, I checked the temperature and it showed one degree. I just checked it before I came out and it still says one degree, which is quite amazing because today we are launching here in Kansas City and around the world a campaign called One. One degree temperature, one, you know what that means? It's a sign. It's a sign that God is going to be up to something big. Can I get an amen? amen. So welcome here at Lenexa and at Speedway, all of those of you who don't let a little bit of flurries mess you up. And for those of you watching online, we still love you anyway. The last words that author George Orwell wrote in his journal on April the 17th, 1949, were these words. At 50, everyone has the face he deserves. What does he mean? You know what I think he means? I think he means that by the age of 50, we have experienced a whole lot of life coming at us, and we've had to respond on the inside to those experiences. And by the age of 50, how we respond on the inside eventually shows up on our face. I want you to take a look at just a couple pics that I've chosen. And as you look at their story, what does it tell you about what they've experienced and how they responded? And how about this last guy? What's up with that guy, right? If you choose to respond with a negative attitude all the time, much like Winnie the Pooh's friend Eeyore, nothing good ever happens to me. If that is the frown you have on the inside to all of the circumstances of your life, what Orwell is saying is that eventually, if you're not careful, it's going to show up on the way your face looks permanently on the outside. Do you know anybody over 50 that has such a face? If you choose to always worry about all the events of this world, you're all tightened up about COVID and you're just worrying about the news and the politics and whatever, whatever. If that's your choice, you're choosing daily to be all wound up and all worried up. If you are frowning on the inside, what's going to eventually happen? It's going to appear on your face in the sign of more wrinkles and more gray hair and sad eyes and a pronounced frown. But... If in the face of difficulty, you choose to rise above your circumstances, you choose to dig deep to find the good in every circumstance, then what you're going to discover is those choices you're making on the inside might just possibly result in a permanent, wonderful, cheerful smile on your face. Perhaps you've heard about the 19th century Prussian evangelist by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller was responsible for taking care of over 10,000 orphans. He started 117 schools and is responsible for educating over 120,000 underprivileged 
children. He did such a good job that local people challenged him that he overeducated poor people out of their station of life. And it's no wonder that someone once remarked with a person with this kind of internal heart for the underprivileged that George Mueller had the 23rd Psalm written in his face. That's beautiful, isn't it? With the recent events of this world, I mean, we are all finding it difficult to find our smile, right? I mean, we've got fear, sickness, death, We've got financial crisis, loneliness, conflict, hate, confusion, division, and murder. And what's happened is that this trauma has led to an unprecedented rise of anxiety and depression within our world. And maybe some of you who live happy most of the time are even finding yourself on edge. Can I get an amen? It's a super-duper struggle. We've never been at higher points than we are right now with depression, anxiety, and trauma. So I ask you the question. Based on your outlook in life right now, what kind of face might you envision having at the age of 50? It's a good question to ask. Now, for those of us who have already crossed that barrier, when you look in the mirror... What does it tell you about how you have responded to what has been brought your way? Well, the truth is we could all use a little cheering up today, don't you think? I mean, we could all lose a little cheering up today. And we're not talking about fluff. We're not inviting you to to plaster a fake smile uh, on your face. We're not asking you to cheer up for no good reason And we certainly aren't seeking to pile a a ton of guilt on the person who is already genuinely experiencing a lot of trauma in their life or mental illness, saying, hey, cheer up already, you know, pick yourself up from your bootstraps and have a get after it kind of attitude. No, what we are looking for is a reason to cheer up. And we're looking for that reason to be anchored in real hope. And I believe that that real hope is found in the person of Jesus. I really do. And some of you are right now ready with an authentic shout, ready to say amen to that. Do I have any? Amen. Yeah. Now, but others of you, you used to believe that, but because of the circumstances of life, it's caused you doubt. And I get that. But for others of you, you don't know this Jesus person very well. And therefore, you don't really know much about the real hope that he offers you. Whatever situation you find yourself in, I am excited to invite you into a journey where we are going to study the story of Jesus through the lens of a guy named Mark who actually witnessed the life of Jesus on earth. And in this study, as we go through it and come to the end, our goal is that you will Get to know Jesus a little bit more and that you will be encouraged, that you will have cause to cheer up and you just might find your smile again, not only on the inside, but on the outside. So I want to jump into the middle of the book of the Gospel of Mark today as we begin 
And I want to look at an encounter that Jesus has with a blind man. And I think this one story is going to cheer you up. So here's the context. Jesus is with his disciples on this main road that leads into Jerusalem. He's got some business to do there. And on his way into Jerusalem, we find him at Mark chapter 10, about 15 miles out of Jerusalem at the gates of the city of Jericho. And here is where the encounter takes place. If you have your Bible, you can open to Mark chapter 10. The Westside app already also has it with some notes to fill in. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the scene is very common, even in our day. A poor, homeless man finds a spot to beg on the side of a busy street, hoping that somebody will come along and help him. In this case, the man is also blind. And you'll notice that he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was close by, and because he can't see, he has to guess where Jesus is at. And when he senses that Jesus is within hearing distance, he begins to call out to him to have mercy on him. But you'll notice he doesn't cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, but rather he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he does that, he is acknowledging that Jesus is someone very special. That Jesus, by giving him that title, he's acknowledging that he is the anointed one. The one we have been waiting for. The Messiah. The blind man knew that Jesus was special. And as a result, Jesus had the capacity. Jesus had the ability to change his circumstances. Now it says that the people around him did not like this poor blind man shouting out for some reason. Maybe they were embarrassed by him or whatever. They told him to be quiet. We don't know why, but they told him to be quiet. And I am sure at this point, the blind man, Bartimaeus, feels like he has zero chance of capturing Jesus' attention. Once again, nobody is rooting for him. So what does he do? In this instance, he decides to keep out shouting the name of Jesus. And what happens next is totally unexpected by the crowd. Probably expected by the disciples who by this time following Jesus knew that he was going to do such a thing. But Jesus stops. And he tells the disciples to bring the blind man to him. Now remember, Bartimaeus cannot see. So you can imagine everything on the road going hush. And Bartimaeus, as a blind man, is turning his head to the right and to the left, trying to place his ears in the stream of the conversation to find out what is going on. And he has no idea what is about to happen to him. 
Verse 49, we read. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He is calling you. Have you ever been in a situation where you were desperate, where you had hit bottom and you thought there is nobody coming to my rescue? This is exactly how Bartimaeus felt. Who knows how many years he sat along the side of the road hoping that someone would pay attention to him. And now I can envision, go with me there, I can envision his heart is now racing and his blind eyes have tears strolling out of them and in his spirit he is whispering, could this actually be happening to me? It was happening so fast. So what would you do? Bartimaeus doesn't hesitate. Verse 50 says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Imagine. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus asks him a question. The question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, why would Jesus ask the guy this question when his need is so obvious? Well, we see here in this story, as well as in the pattern of Jesus, that he is actually wanting Bartimaeus to say it out loud as a demonstration of his faith that he actually believed that Jesus could do something about his point of pain. Question, does Bartimaeus play it safe and ask for food or does he decide to go big? Take a look and see how the story unfolds. And they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus believes that Jesus could pull this off, and so he goes big. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. You notice 
Here, he's not referred to as Barnabas, but rather he is defined by his blindness. He wants to see. He wants to see the face of his family. He wants to see a sunrise. He wants to see a sunset. He wants to see the mountains. He wants to see the sea. And I want you to feel the pause in that moment. Place yourself in the shoes of Barnabas. Feel the pause and imagine him saying, could this actually happen to me today? Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The man that day, in that moment, not only experienced physical healing from his blindness, but he also received spiritual healing from his blindness. And his first move with his 2020 vision is to follow Jesus along the road. He likely went into, G- into Jerusalem with Jesus following the remainder of the 15 miles and saw with his healed eyes the triumphal entry of Jesus. And a week later, no doubt, saw with his healed eyes the crucifixion of Jesus. It's an amazing story. And the reality is we can find application for our own lives today in the midst of this ancient story. I identified three things, but before I dive into them, I wanna speak a moment about healing. Here's the newsflash. Jesus doesn't always give us everything we ask for. Have you ever experienced that? Probably have. I know I have. What's going on? Well, in the story right before Bartimaeus, two disciples of Jesus, James and John, come to Jesus. And when they do, Jesus asks the same question of them he did of blind Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? Same question, word for word. And they had the audacity, why not, to ask Jesus that when he comes into his kingdom and sits on his throne, of all the disciples, they are requesting for them to sit on the right and the left hand of Jesus. What does Jesus do? He does not grant them their request. As James, another James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 4, God did not answer their request because they asked with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your desires. Thank God Jesus doesn't answer all of our prayers with our exact request. Think about it. The world would be a hot mess if Jesus said yes to what finite human beings wanted for themselves alone. Now, I'm sure that there were other beggars on the road that day who didn't get healed. Maybe they didn't cry out like Bartimaeus did. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't believe that Jesus could pull it off like Bartimaeus did. Or maybe they did. But here's some things I have learned about prayer through experience and through the scriptures. 
Number one, Jesus always answers our prayers. But not always exactly like we ask because he loves us and he has a bigger plan. Jesus can choose and has the power to remove the circumstances that cause your pain. Or he may give you the strength to see you through your circumstances. But I can also tell you this. Jesus will never leave you alone in your pain. He will journey with you. He has experienced that pain. And you will find comfort in his presence. I also tell you that Jesus always says yes to spiritual healing. And sometimes he uses our physical suffering to get us a place of desperation where we cry out for spiritual healing. You see, blindness and poverty, injustice and illness and relational conflict are very painful things. But they are temporal conditions for humans at best. When one goes away, another is soon to follow. It is our condition. Our biggest need, hear me, our biggest need is to overcome death and to enter into an eternal relationship with God where these circumstances can never cause us harm again. I'll give you a case in point. I have an older brother. I have an older brother who was 19 when I came to Christ at the age of 14. We grew up in an unchurched home. And so when the neighbor invited me and my younger sister to church to hear the gospel for the first time, he had already left the home and did not have that opportunity. And for most of his life, up to six years ago, he never bowed a knee to Jesus. Mm. But then he had a major stroke that left him unemployed, that left his right side weak and curled up and has left him speechless. My brother can understand everything that you're saying, but he cannot say a word. And it is through that painful circumstance that he groaned and he cried out and he became a follower of Jesus. And today he has experienced spiritual healing. And while I long to have a conversation with my brother again, I know it will not be in this life, but it will be in the one where it is all removed once and for all. Amen. Now what I want you to do, if you don't mind, here at Lenexa Speedway and online, I want you to close your eyes right now, okay? Close your eyes, bow your heads. And I want you to imagine that you are on the road by the city gates of Jericho and that Jesus is about to walk by on his way to Jerusalem and you're there. Bartimaeus was blind. I ask you, what is the burden of your heart? And in that burden, are you willing to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Maybe you have family members or college professors or friends who are telling you to be quiet for whatever reason, but at this moment, at this time, you refuse and you shout out again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So I'm going to invite you now, if you are willing, to go ahead and whisper that prayer out loud. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I want you all to look up at me online, Speedway here. I want you to look up at me. And just as Jesus told the disciples in that day to go to Bartimaeus, and give him this message. So as a disciple of Jesus, he is inviting me to come to you and to tell you this. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. Yeah, cheer up. This is not a rah-rah speech with pom-poms. The disciples knew who Jesus is. And that when Jesus calls somebody, it's because he's about to do something big. And I believe in my heart that he's calling you and he has the intent to do something big. But you need to get up on your feet. Jesus is requiring something of you. He wants to know that you believe that he is the son of David and has the capacity to meet you at your point of pain. So let me ask you, is your desperation now bigger than your fear of approaching Jesus? It's time to make your move. Do what Bartimaeus did. Get on your feet. Throw off your cloak and run to Jesus. Because he's calling you. So I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it today. Speedway, Lenexa online. If your faith is stirring in you right now, and only if your faith is stirring in you right now, I invite you to do what Barnabas did and stand to your feet. Because he's calling you. Anybody? Okay. Only if his faith is stirring you. Only. Jesus, son of David, had mercy on me. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. You're on your feet. Now be prepared. Because Jesus is asking you this question. What do you want me to do for you? Maybe your burden is a physical pain like blind Bartimaeus. Maybe your burden, maybe your pain is over a relationship that is in conflict and is tearing people apart. Maybe your burden is for your finances or for a job that can actually pay the bills. Maybe your burden is for somebody else altogether that you love and it's killing you to watch them suffer. Maybe your burden is for someone you lost and you don't know how you're gonna make it through a day. Maybe your burden is spiritual. Maybe you finally said, you know what, I am lost. I am spiritually blind and I am tired and I am ready. I am ready for my spiritual healing. 
If you're standing up here at Speedway or online, I'm going to ask you now to close your eyes and lift your hands out to the Father, to Jesus. And I'm going to invite you right now to do what Barnabas did and go big and to tell him what you want. Be honest with him. Just tell him. Just say it. Jesus, I want to see. Tell him right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those who are on their feet in demonstration that they believe you have the capacity to intercede on their behalf, I ask you, out of the immense power that you have, that you would show mercy on these people who are crying out to you according to your will, according to your good plan. And Father, I know that even at this moment, out of the authenticity of their prayer, you are in action right now because you always answer our prayer. Give us the wisdom to know that, Father, the bigger plan you have for us suggests and promises that if we align our life to you, you are promising that you will see us through the pain, you will heal us of the pain, and you will write a good story for our lives. Father, show up for these people. They desperately need you in this hour. I pray this in the authority of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Folks, this is what the One Campaign is all about that we are launching today. We are basically seeking to let people know all over our city that it's time to cheer up on your feet because he's calling you. And our commitment, our call, our challenge as followers of Jesus is a threefold commitment. Number one, churches united to teach through the gospel of Mark. Beginning today, 150 churches around Kansas City are going to begin teaching through the gospel of Mark in unity. Imagine that, church. We do not know of another causal movement in our city of this size in the history of our city. We know of no other thing. What is happening today is huge. People, pastors, teachers, opening up God's word through the gospel of Mark and telling people the truth about real hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And I'm inviting you to be here for the next seven weeks, but I'm inviting you to bring and invite somebody else. Whether you're watching online or coming in person, don't miss this opportunity. But here's the deal. It's not just 150 churches in our city, but it is now spread to over 21 countries in our world. I want to put the list of the cities that are now participating. Today, these cities have hundreds of churches that are doing this with us right now. Do you believe that maybe God is not up to something? Some of those places, my friends, are not allowed to talk about Jesus, but they're standing to their feet and they're saying it anyway. That's pretty exciting. And oh, by the way, it's all coming out of Westside Family Church. Who would have ever thunk that? Secondly, watching groups united around the gospel of Mark. 
forming small groups around our city and around the globe to watch this beautiful film of which I gave you a taste of with the story of blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, this beautiful film on the life of Jesus. We're overlaid onto the film word for word is the gospel of Mark, not only in our language, but now in over 600 languages. We have 20 different language groups in Kansas City who have joined us. They're going to be watching this film in their own heart language. And I'm going to invite you to sit and watch these films these six episodes with five questions that you will discuss, not only with your family, but maybe with your neighbors, not only with your neighbors, but, but maybe people in the place that you work, maybe at school, before school, lunch, or after school, or maybe even forming a group online to see and experience word for word the story of Jesus through the gospel of Mark. The third challenge is individual so listening to Matthew, Luke, and John. We're going to put up on a screen this picture of the Bible.is app. It is free. You just take your camera and put your, uh, put, put your camera over it, and it will download this free app. And in this free app, you will choose the One Listening Campaign. When you uh, download the campaign, uh, the One Listening Program, it's going to invite you uh, to choose a language. There's over 1,500 languages there, as well as the translation you want to listen in. I'm choose, I've chosen the New International Version. And then select February the 17th, which is this Wednesday. It's referred to in traditional churches as Ash Wednesday. And it marks the beginning of a 40-day experience leading up to Easter. And it will invite you for 10 minutes a day to listen to the Gospels. And if you will do it just for 40 days, 10 minutes a day, you will get through Matthew, Luke, and John. I'm inviting you to join us on this journey, but I don't want you to stop there. I want you to spread the word by inviting at least one other person. You can share the link with a friend. You can share the link with a bunch of people and invite them to take in the story of Jesus with you. And by the way, I want to remind you that this is all being led by Westside Family Church. And we decided to use a portion of the contributions that you give to the church to fund not only Westside Family Church doing this, but 150 churches in Kansas City and now hundreds and thousands of churches in 21 countries. I hope, I don't know if you know that or not, and I am hoping that you are overwhelmed with the sense of joy that comes through generosity, that your resources that God gave to you begin with are being used to fuel this movement. I love this church because of our heart for not just being about us, but being about the kingdom of God. Amen. God has given us a big vision. One word, one church, one city, one Lord, and our city and our world is divided like I have never seen it before. But today the church drives a stake in the ground and says, we, unlike you, are united around a person named Jesus Christ who is the real hope of the world. And we believe if we will unite, and we will, there is going to be unprecedented numbers of people who experience healing from their pain. From their physical pain, yes, but mostly, prayerfully, 
from their spiritual pain. And it all comes to a crescendo. It all comes to a climax on April the 4th, which we call Resurrection Sunday, the greatest event in human history. The greatest event in human history. I don't know about you, but that puts a smile on my face. See? But more important than the smile on my face is the smile on the face of Jesus. And that, my friends, is what we are going for. It is all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. 